you turn in your Bible, please, to Daniel, the book of Daniel, chapter 3. We appreciate the many of you who have assisted us with the bus ministry during the Bible school, and we appreciate those of you who are going to help us this week. It's all a faith venture. And I thank the Lord for you. Amen. We appreciate the choir and the old-fashioned singers. We want to just thank the Lord for them. We praise God for our deacons, for these men who have been elected. It is our earnest prayer that God will in these days ahead make these the greatest years in the ministry of Glendale Baptist Church. We're in the 23rd summer. Well, actually the beginning of the 24th summer, beginning of the 24th year, and August 13th will be the launching of the 24th year of the ministry of this church. And uh, important, tremendous things are in store. You heard the announcement at the close of the service this morning asking for a special business meeting Wednesday night to consider a very important, far-reaching consultant firm to present uh, the possibilities uh, of their study. And uh, the church has been, you might say, uh, prepared by that report this morning to be ready to hear and discuss the consultant firm Wednesday night of this week. And I hope every one of you will be here. And if you have questions, be, be ready to ask them. And let's pray that God will give us faith, great faith, to reach out and attempt the impossible, something that only God could do. Turn your Bible to Daniel 3, please. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank Thee for the privilege of prayer. We thank You for so many, many things Thou hast given us today, and for the moving story that we saw in the film. We thank You for the people who have been saved today and those who have come into this church fellowship. And tonight we pray Thou wilt use this service to affect the eternal destiny of some soul. May the Spirit of God do His work of conviction and draw folks to Jesus. May every one of us humble himself before the Lord, watching and waiting for God to do what He wants to do with our own lives. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was threescore cubits, the breadth of it six cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Now this uh, image is very similar to the image of chapter 2. It's possible, many Bible students believe, that Nebuchadnezzar got the, the idea from the dream that Daniel had interpreted to him. You remember that he, Nebuchadnezzar, was the head of gold, the Babylonian kingdom. And Nebuchadnezzar the king sent to gather together 
the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Then the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces were gathered together into the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. They stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O people, nations, and languages, that at the time that ye hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the sackbut, the psaltery, the dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king hath set up. And whosoever falleth not down and worshipeth shall the same hour be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. Therefore at that time, when all the people heard the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the sackbut, the psaltery, and all kinds of music, all the people, the nations, and the languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Note that Nebuchadnezzar's heart had been filled with pride. In chapter 2, he had been reminded or told about the image, and uh, Daniel had said, Thou, O king, art the, the head of gold. After thee will come other empires. The head of gold will crumble, and then there will be other empires. But one day there is coming a forever kingdom that shall smite all of these and will endure forever. It's possible that Nebuchadnezzar, filled with pride and filled with his own sense of self-importance, determined that as long as he was king, everybody was going to serve him and bow before him and call him God. And in verse 8, Wherefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. They spoke and said to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. Thou, O king, hast made a decree that every man that shall hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the sackbut, the psaltery, the dulcimer, all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. Whosoever falleth not down and worshipeth that, that he should be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. These men, O king, these men have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar in his rage and fury commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spoke unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now if ye be ready, and at that time that ye hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the sackbut, the psaltery, the dulcimer, and all kinds of music, to fall down and worship the image which I have made, well. But if ye worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we're not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spoke and commanded that they should heat the furnace 
seven times more than it was usually heated. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their stockings, and their turbans, and other garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astounded. He rose up in haste and spoke and said to the counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said, O king, true, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar came to, near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spoke unto, and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, ye servants of the Most High God, come forth and come here. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth from the midst of the fire. And the princes and governors and captains and the king's counselors gathered together. They saw these men upon whose bodies the fire had no power, nor was a hair of their head singed, neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of the fire passed on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar spoke and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who hath sent his angel and delivered his servants, who trusted in him, and hath changed the king's word, and hath yielded their bodies, that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree that every people, nation, and language who speak anything amiss against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces and their houses shall be made a refuse heap because there is no other God that can deliver this sort. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. What a story. What a challenge. We could just stop right there and have an invitation. The wonderful, wonderful word of God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego along with Daniel purposed in their heart that they would not defile themselves with a king's meat or with a king's wine. And as Brother Delbert Butts pointed out this morning, they had a purpose. They would not budge. They stood for something that was real in their hearts. They would not knuckle under the, the attempt to get involved in the king's wine and in the drug scene of their day and in the alcohol scene of their day. And they would not worship at the throne room of false gods because they had a purpose in their heart. There was something inside of them that said, we cannot. We're going to be true to something that we know, someone we know. And they yielded themselves to a higher plan, a higher purpose. You know the story. We've read it many, many times. I want to single out just one part of this story. It's in verses 17 and 18. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. Notice Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, our God is able. We're convinced of that. We don't have to worry about that. We are in the hand of God. We've committed our lives to the Lord. We are his property, and he is able. What a faith. What a Gibraltar rock-like faith. They said God is able. We don't have any question about that. The God in whom we have trusted, the God in whom we have believed, is able to deliver us out of thine hand. He is deliver, able to deliver us out of the fiery furnace. 
But we know this one thing, O King, he will deliver us out of thine hand. We're not in your hand. We're in God's hand. We're not going to be afraid of what you can do to us. Now, if God wants to, he can deliver us out of the fiery furnace. We're convinced of that. We know that. We know God. But we know one other thing. He may not deliver us out of the fiery furnace, but he will deliver us out of your hand. We're not under your hand. In other words, if we do not get deliverance from the fiery furnace, our confidence and faith is that God has said, okay, you're to die in the fiery furnace. We're in the hand of God, and O King, it's not you doing it. It is God. We're under him. We're under his direction. But then notice what they said, verse 18. But if not, if we do not get deliverance from the fiery furnace, be it known unto thee, O King, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. I have decided to follow Jesus. I won't turn back. If none go with me, I still will follow. I won't turn back. The cross before me, the world behind me, I won't turn back. I'll follow on. I'll follow on. And oh, how we need men like that today who will put their trust and confidence in the ability of God, not in our ability, but His ability, able to say God is able to save to the uttermost all who will come to God by Him. Able to say, my God is able to supply every need of mine according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. My trust, my confidence is in Christ. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. And you know the outcome of this. You know that God never did disappoint the faith of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But instead of disappointing it, even if it could have pleased God for these men to have died in the fiery furnace. And remember that through the years, hundreds of people, thousands of people have died as martyrs. Revelation 2.10, Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee the crown of life. We're not to interpret this as if God is saying, I'll never let harm come to you. I'll never let you suffer. I'll never let you die. I'll never let you be made fun of. That's not what he's saying. That's not what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said. They were saying, in effect, you may make fun of us. You may touch our body. And if you do touch our body, we're convinced that God allows you to touch our body because we're not in your hand, we're in God's hand. Our God is able, and he is able to deliver us from you, and he already has. Now, he is also able to deliver us out of the, out of the, hand of, out of the fiery furnace. And if he chooses to do that, fine. If not, it's all right. But we're not going to budge, and we're not going to bow, and we're not going to knuckle under what you've told us to do because we have a purpose in our heart. We have a plan, a plan of God, a blueprint, and it's our plan to fit our lives into the plan of God. Now, this was the faith of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Very briefly, I want to suggest some things that God is able to do even as he did for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Number one, God is able to overcome Satan's stratagems. Satan is a monster. Satan is an attacker. Satan is an accuser. In 2 Peter, rather in 1 Peter chapter 5, the scripture says, cast all your care upon him for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil like a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, 
knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Satan has a number of tasks. Number one, he accuses the saints. Number two, he confuses the word. Number three, he contends with the will of God. Number four, he hinders our prayer life. Number five, he blinds the lost. If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ should shine on them. And number six, he tempts believers to low living. We saw in that film a little while ago that the devil really doesn't work so hard on the, out on the, the lost world. He doesn't work so hard on the devil's crowd because he already has them. But rather he works on believers and he tries to, to, uh, to disturb believers and pester believers and, and get believers off. Have you ever seen a mule trying to work and a, a big, big old horsefly comes circling around that mule and he lights on his eye and the mule twitches his eye and lights up, lights up here on his ear and he'll twitch his ear. Lights on his tail and he switches his tail and lights all over him and he goes like that, you know. Well, that's the way the devil does. He does his best to light all around us and to, to, to distract us and to do everything he can. But remember, Satan is limited in what he can do with a believer because Satan cannot control the inside of a believer. He cannot possess a believer. He can obsess us. He can disturb us. But he can never, never in a thousand worlds possess us because we're God's property. We belong to the Lord. You may be going through an exceedingly difficult time right now. Satan may be disturbing you and have all the trench troops out against you. But remember, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And when we humble ourselves before God and resist Satan, Christ can be made King and Lord within our hearts. He is able to deliver us, even as he was able to deliver Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. God is able to deliver us from Satan's Stratagems. Think for a moment. The pestilence and difficulties and trials and problems that come your way. You think for a, of them for a moment. I'm sure almost everyone in this room, if you're a Christian, you've had some difficulties. You've had some, some reverses of circumstances. You've had some trials along the way. Maybe you've had physical affliction, physical pain. Maybe your home has been invaded by Satan. Perhaps there has been mental anguish and fear that has grasped your soul and almost defeated you. Perhaps you're aware tonight of some problems that surround your life and you do not know the answers to those problems. Maybe they're financial difficulties. Maybe there are, maybe there are, they are psychological problems. I talked with a person this past week who was right on the verge of stepping into eternity uninvited and wanted to go and thought together, we thought and prayed together about the circumstances that surrounded this individual's life that caused that person to want to leave this life a believer. I want to say to you, not all the water in the world can sink a ship unless it gets inside. Not all of Satan's stratagems can destroy an individual believer unless that believer allows the devil to get inside and to destroy the spiritual life within. The greatest problems America has, not Russia, not China, not Cuba, our greatest problems are within us. 
within this great nation, eating away at our very heartstrings. The greatest problems Glendale Baptist Church has, not problems on the outside. You know, problems on the outside, they're not really problems. Beware when all men speak well of you. When the Lord's church does his work and begins to march and go forward in Jesus' name, there'll be people that'll hate the church, people that'll despise it and talk against it and do everything they can to stop it. As a matter of fact, it, you know, nobody, of course, likes for, for the work that's precious to you to be talked against, be criticized. But I, I, I worry a little bit when, when we're not criticized. A few years ago, uh, our university department in Sunday school was the attack of, was attacked, you might say, viciously in the university paper. The attack came because students were out knocking on doors. The very year that we were attacked so severely, many students were saved. And when they're no longer attacked, I've been, I, we discussed this the other day with one of our leaders. When the attacks are no longer there, I wonder if we're really doing the task. But I will tell you, those problems on the outside can never defeat a work unless the problems get inside. And the thing that would really be the, 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 the difficulty that Glendale Baptist Church would face would be folks on the inside being disturbed and upset and mad and upset with one another and critical of the work and so on. Inside, tears it apart. Same way with an individual. All the problems that go on outside your life, they're not going to hurt you. But it's when you let those problems get inside of you and eat away like a canker, like a cancer in your life, like a malignancy, and they try to destroy you and cast the ship of your life on the shoals and on the rocks, and you go almost down. Remember, remember, God is able to deliver you. God is able. Just as he delivered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he is able to deliver you, and he will. You'll just look up. Say, Lord, I'm your prophet. I'm yours. The battle belongs to the Lord. I'll not fight it alone. The battle belongs to the Lord. Secondly, he is able to bear our burden. We're told in Galatians, bear you one another's burden. Imagine the burden that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had. They were told to worship before the golden image. And they said, we can't do this. It would violate the convictions of our soul. We cannot, we will not do this. Well, what'd they do? Go around wringing their hands and pulling their hair and walk in the floor at night? No, they cast their burden on the Lord. And then they just went right out there, stood face to face with the king and said, uh, King, we, we don't have to consider this decision. Uh, we already know, King, oh King, God is able to deliver us from the fiery furnace and God will deliver us from you if he chooses not to deliver us from the fiery furnace that's all right but we're still not going to budge we're not going to move an iota they cast their burden upon the Lord and I want to say to us tonight God is able to bear our burdens whatever they are imagine the burden Noah had people making fun of him all around out there hammering on a boat saying, repent, there's judgment coming, it's going to rain, it's going to be a judgment, it's going to be a big flood. Well, you
Nobody ever heard of rain. And Noah kept on building, kept on building. The burden that he bore, he cast it upon the Lord. Imagine Gideon's burden when the angel of the Lord came and said, Gideon, you're to deliver Israel from the Midianites. And Gideon said, but I'm a poor boy, and we don't have any money, and I don't know how to be a soldier, and I don't know how to do any of this thing. The angel of the Lord said, Gideon, it's not by your might, but it's by his might. You just get busy going as God directs. And Gideon cast his burden of timidity, his burden of frustration, his burden of feeling that he was not worthy. He cast it upon the Lord, and the Lord in its place gave him spiritual power to go out and to defeat the Midianites. Imagine the burden. A little mother in London, she prayed for a boy. And finally, God gave that boy. As the mother would wash clothes to make a living, she washed and washed and washed. And the father was a sea captain out on the sea, gone all the time. The money didn't come in very much, and this mother would wash clothes to try to keep the family together. She prayed every time she washed those clothes, Lord, Lord, here's John, I give him to you. Here's John, I give him to you. Lord, use him. Lord, call him to be a preacher. Here's John, Lord. When John was seven years old, that mother was taken in death. I don't believe there's ever a prayer that goes unanswered. I believe God answers prayer. No matter who we are, if we'll pray in God's conditions, God answers prayer. When John was 11 years old, he was out on the seas, first with his daddy, later out on the slave trade markets of Africa. He was tossed to and fro on the shore in the sea. He became involved in all kinds of immorality and iniquity and sin. Over and over again, he would remember passages of Scripture his mother had taught him. They would come back as a flash from childhood, a prayer to hear his mother pray, Lord, save my boy John. Lord, make him a preacher. Finally, one night, after an awful time of debauchery and immorality and impurity and sin, after he had been involved in the slave traffic of Africa, he was on his way back to London. The ship was tossed to and fro. And down in the hole of the ship, John came to himself and gave his heart to his mother's God. Years later, that same man, now a preacher of the Word of God, took a pen in hand and wrote, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind but now I see. T'was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. And all of that wonderful song, Amazing Grace. John Newton, because his mother cast her burden upon the Lord. God is able. God is able to bear our burden, whatever it is. God is able to bear our financial burden, our financial responsibilities. Thirdly, God is able to bear our tragedies and make everything come out all right. God is able to bear our tragedies and make everything come out all right. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, Now, O king, it may be that we may not get out of this fiery furnace. Uh, now, I don't know whether they made, you know, whether they talked like this or not. I'm sure they were very grave and very sincere, but they were saying, uh, O king, we may not get out of the fiery furnace. We're not really sure about that. 
But one thing we know, God has already delivered us out of your hand. He's able to deliver us out of the fiery furnace. But if he doesn't, we're not going to budge. We're not going to move. We're just going to stand. We're not going to bow before that golden image. We're not going to move from our convictions. Now, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were actually cast into the fiery furnace. God chose not to deliver them. You know, you'd like to read that story and think, well, boy, uh, my, my. Just at the last minute, when they took them up, and uh, they were about to put them in there, wouldn't it be wonderful if the Lone Ranger would ride down and how old silver would come in, and boy, they'd deliver them, and they wouldn't have to be cast into the lake, into the fiery furnace. Wouldn't that be great? Well, and the Bible is too real for that, see? And the Bible here is trying to tell us a story. It is trying to say you may have to go through the fire. You may have to go through the difficulty. You may have to be cast down. You may have to wake up and find you don't have anything. You may get to a point in life where everybody is against you and you look up and you see nothing but waves and floods and billows all around you. But be sure to look up higher because there's God. And God is on the throne. He says, I'm able, I'm able to take care of you. And that's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, King. We're in God's hand. We're not in your hand. We're in God's hand. And whatever you can do to us is, is so much nothing. But God is able to take care of me. God is able to take care of us. And he'll do it. He's able. He's still able to take care of men, women, boys and girls and make everything work out all right. Brother and Mrs. Kent, I've told this story a lot of times, and you already know it by heart, but I, it, took, it, it moved my heart so much that it's become part of my very personality. They had a precious little girl. Her name was Amy. And Amy prayed, Oh God, let me see again. Let me see again. Her leukemia had caused her to lose her sight. I stood with her. She said, Tell me more about Jesus. Tell me more of the stories of Jesus. I told her all the stories I knew. But she had such a quench and such a desire and a thirst for Jesus. She said, tell me some more. Tell me some more. We prayed and talked. And then the night came. The lights went out in her life. They almost went out in the lives of Lloyd and his wife. We said, Lord, here, here's your little girl. Oh, God, we wish you could have healed her. We wish you had made her well. But here she is, and her daddy knelt, weeping, tears. Yeah, but I remember he knelt and said, Lord, here she is. I give her to you. You wonder, Lord, why? Why'd that happen? Why couldn't you make it turn out so she'd get well, be well, be strong again? God had other plans. He had a substitute in that family. He had brought into the family a year before. That substitute sings in the old-fashioned singers. His name is Lloyd Jr. And he's given his life to serve God, to be a preacher if that's what God wants. All on the altar, dear Lord. What am I saying tonight? I'm saying God may lead you down through the valley. God may lead you down through the storms. God may put you in a place where in the hole of that ship you're shaken and you're moved and you're tossed and you feel like, I can't go on. 
but God is able to bear you through all that burden and then to deliver you safely and make everything turn out right. That's what Romans 8, 28 says when it says God is able to work together all things and make them right for the one whose trust is in Jesus Christ. Fourthly, God is able to bear our sin load. Whatever our sin load is, God is able. There may be somebody in this room tonight who has an awful burden of sin. Nobody knows about it but you. Now, it may not be the normal kinds of sin. It may not be adultery, and it may not be drunkenness, and it may not be some kind of impurity. It may be some sin of the Spirit. Jealousy, ill will, unforgiveness, some sin of the Spirit. It may be some sin of the flesh. Whatever it is, our God is able to deliver you out of the jaws of the devil, out of the, the hand of Satan. Our God is able. In Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18, Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. God is able. God is able to deliver you from worry. God is able to deliver you from fear. God is able to deliver you from the monster of depression and discouragement and defeat. Our God is able if we'll cast our burden upon him and trust him. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, O king, O king, we don't mean to be smart. And we're not trying to be braggart. And we're not trying to be proud. We don't have anything to be proud of or to gloat in except the cross of Christ. But O king, know this. Our God is able to deliver us out of the fiery furnace. He's able. And he's already delivered us out of your hand. We're in his hand. But listen, O king, if God does not deliver us from the fiery furnace, we're still not going to budge. We're going to just remain firm. We're going to be true. Can we say that tonight? Let's pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed before the Lord. Our Father, we thank you that we have an able God, one who is able to deliver us out of the jaws of Satan, one who is able to deliver us out of the jaws of defeat and discouragement and despair, one who is able to bear our burden for us, one who is able to eradicate and erase all of our sins as we place those sins over on Jesus and trust the blood of Jesus to cleanse us from all sin. And our God is able to deliver us and make us faultless before the presence of his glory. Oh, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand, please? I had to bring this message to a close. I didn't anywhere near finish what I wanted to say tonight. But in Jude, this same theme is continued when that half-brother of our Lord said, Now unto him that is able to present you faultless before the presence of his glory. Just think, one day we'll be delivered from this vile body. Gone will be its weaknesses. Gone will be its defeats. Gone will be its sins. Gone will be its misunderstandings. We'll be in his presence forever. I look forward to that day in this life. We're subject 
after so many mistakes and sins and so many misunderstandings and so many hurts. We hurt other people unintentionally and deep inside there are wounds and hurts. Some bear even out to the grave. But you know, there's coming a day when all that will be cast aside. We'll be in his presence forever. If you're having problems tonight, take your problems to the Lord. If you have burdens tonight, take those burdens to the Lord. Whoever you are, whatever you are, whatever you need, take them to Jesus. He said, I'll, I'll be with you. I'll never leave you, nor forsake you. Now, if you're here tonight and you've never been saved, the first step in taking your burden to the Lord is to take your sin burden there. If this were my sin burden, Bob, come up here just a minute, would you? Look, hold this. Let's suppose a moment this represents Jesus. And here's my sin. All my sins, if I hang on to them, they'll drag me down, 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 separated from God forever. If I'll take my sins, and I'll do what Jesus said, come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. And I take my sins to Jesus, and I put them there. Who's got them now? Jesus. I don't have them any longer. He's got them. And if you take your sin burden, thank you, Bob. If you take your sin burden to Jesus, he'll take it for you. He'll take care of it. He'll carry it far away. If you're a Christian, carry your sin burden to him. Lay it down. If you've got problems, carry them to him. Lay them down before him. He'll help you. He'll take care of you. He'll work with you. And he'll be real to you, precious to you. If you've never been saved, I want to ask you to carry your burden to him. Let him save you. If you're already saved, there's some here who ought to come and say, I, I need to be baptized. I need to take a stand for God. Will you come? Let's walk by faith. Let's be faith walkers for Jesus' sake. As we begin to sing, who we'll step out first for the king tonight to say, I want to be a faith walker. I want to serve the Lord. I want to be what God wants me to be. Will you come while we sing?